Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. It is good to see everybody. My name is Dave, and I have been around at Timberlake for a while. I want to welcome our campuses all over. You guys have taken over Seattle. It's awesome, man. This is just fun. Yeah, it's fun to just sit back and watch. Uh, By the way, if this is your first time being here when I'm here, just a little bit of background from, uh, from myself. I am from Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a little bit south of Milwaukee. We are the corporate headquarters for Jockey International Snap-on tools and Great Lakes Church. Yeah! All right, so Pastor Ben and I have been friends for about 13 years. He is truly one of the most faithful friends I have, calls me on a weekly basis, always sharing wisdom freely with me, always encouraging me. And so even though we're not biologically related, he is very much like a grandfather figure in my life. And I, <laughs> I'm honored to have that kind of friendship with him. Uh, Today we're launching a really brief series uh, that regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey and regardless of even what you believe about God, I'm confident you're going to benefit from because the premise of the series we're entering is simply this. You can change your world by changing your words. You can change your world by changing your words. Now, I realize that sounds like hype. That sounds like an infomercial, maybe like an exaggeration, but it's absolutely true that our words have the ability at some level to affect and determine the course of our life. Our words have an impact on the people that are around us, and certainly our words define our life in many different ways. Now, just for fun, and I want to encourage our campuses to play as well, I want to do a little pop quiz here, and I want to find out how culturally astute we are at Timberlake Church. I'm going to give you a quote, and then I just need you to tell me who was the person credited with that quote. So here we go. Quote number one, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Muhammad Ali, of course. All right, that was a give me. Here's Here's another one. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Oh, Gandhi. Everybody knew Muhammad Ali, but that's correct. Gandhi, way to go. Uh, Here we go. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. It was not Shakespeare. Alfred Lord Tennyson. Obviously, Alfred Lord Tennyson did not have a girl in the ninth grade that he tried to give his heart to who completely stomped it into pieces and handed it back. (laughs) Tis better to have loved than... All right. Here we go. Quote number four. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. (laughs) Someone say Muhammad Ali. Yeah, King. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. All right. Guys, we're struggling on these serious quotes. But let me give you one that's not so serious, because I'm sure you'll get that. Oh, you're so mature, right? My mama don't like you, and she likes everyone. (laughs) Justin Bieber, there you go. Woo! Yeah, I I knew. I knew that you'd be up for it. All right. Here's the deal. In, In our lifetime, 
There may never be a quote that we come up with, as great as it may be, that we're credited with. People may not go around saying, do you realize that so-and-so said this, and isn't that amazing, and, and aren't you really, really impressed? The fact is, it doesn't matter how many words you speak, you may never get the credit you deserve in that way, but do not mistake this reality that your words and my words, they matter. And it's interesting because as human beings, we have a tendency to kind of play down the impact of our words and we act like they're not really that big of a deal. But they're absolutely a big deal. In fact, Jesus taught that what you say flows from what is in your heart. The words we communicate, they reflect happiness or anger inside of us. They can reflect confidence or insecurity. They can reflect love or disgust, compassion or indifference. They can re reflect a heart for uniting people or a heart for dividing people. Our words can reflect generosity or they can reflect self-centeredness. Our words matter. And it's fascinating when you think about it because our alphabet has just 26 letters. The Chinese alphabet has thousands of characters to make up their different letters. We've just got 26 basic, simple letters. But how you arrange those letters can determine a whole lot of things. They can determine what you think about yourself. They can determine what other people think about you. They can determine how people think about themselves just by the way you arrange those letters. The book of Proverbs puts it this way. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The tongue can bring death or life. Now we know this is true because all we have to do is look back on history. Throughout history, words have been used to fuel war and holocaust and genocide and racism and all types of violence. But at the same time, when we look back throughout history, words have been used to end suffering. They've been used to end apartheid and to bring people together and to solve all types of problems. I think of uh, Jimmy Carter. Back in 1986, Jimmy Carter decided that he was going to use his words and his influence to bring attention to an issue, quite honestly, most of America had very little concern about called the guinea worm, right? The guinea worm causes debilitating infection. The way you get it is by drinking contaminated drinking water. And as Americans, we couldn't really care less because we weren't affected. But at the time, three and a half people, million people in our world were affected. And so Jimmy Carter, caring about the three and a half million people were affected, started to use his words to raise awareness and say, hey, we got to do something about it. Today, there's literally a handful just a couple of confirmed cases. And experts believe that if things continue to go in the direction they've been going, that the guinea worm will be the second disease in history just after smallpox to be completely eradicated. That's the power of our words. But you don't really need me to give you a bunch of examples because you know this is true from your own life. right? All you have to do is look at your own life. I guarantee there are... Uh, many of us, if not all of us, where we can identify a, a person who spoke words of life to us. They, can, they spoke words of encouragement to us. They spoke words of our potential. We can even, at some point, remember maybe where we were at, what grade we were in, 
the words that they use, the words of encouragement or the inspiration, or just in that simple indication they believed in us. Almost every single note of encouragement that I receive from the people of the church I pastor, almost every single one I keep. Because there are days where I'm very discouraged and I feel like thrown in the towel and I just have to go through there and remind myself, man, this isn't a waste. We're, we're, we're not, what we're doing really, really does matter. And so I say those because they mean that much to me. My daughter Alyssa's 15. I've talked about her on numerous occasions here. Uh, she brings so much life to our family, but she's been dealing with mental health issues. Back in January, she uh, went to a program that she uh, was supposed to be in for nine months to really help her. And at five months, just a little bit ago, she dropped out. And it was so discouraging for my wife and I. And we just decided well, we're just going to focus on the good. She was there five months, gave it her all, and she definitely has had made, made a lot of progress since then. And uh, we're seeing the difference it's already made when we live with her, you know, day in and day out. But one of the most moving things that happened to me after she dropped out of this program is she received a note from an individual in our church that said, congratulations for making it five months. I'm so proud of you. Here's some gift cards to Coldstone to celebrate your homecoming. Instead of focusing on the fact that she left early, instead of focusing on the fact she didn't finish with everything, they focused on the positive. Back in the 10th grade, I had a teacher write me a note that I still keep with me. Now, obviously, I don't carry it with me all the time. But on a, on a day like today, I feel like it's worth reading. And, it, and in some ways, I'm embarrassed to read it because it feels like self-serving. But I want you to see the power words. Dear David, having taught students for the past 20 years, I've seen a lot of students come and go. But I wanted to write you a note and let you know that you're towards the top of the list of students that I've taught in regards to potential. You've got a ton of potential. I can't wait to see how you end up capitalizing on your work ethic, talents, and personality. Now I'm just making that up. I wrote that to myself. But that would have been nice. It would have been nice if somebody would have wrote me that. Right? Words matter. Now, as much as we can point out words of life that were spoken to us, I'm sure all of us can identify a time when another student or a parent or a teacher or somebody we respected spoke words of death to us. Discouraging words, hurtful words, damaging words. And they ended up becoming words of death because they ended in the death of trust they ended in the death of security and how we felt. They ended maybe in the death of a relationship. Whether they are words of life or death, words get etched into our memory. The tongue is powerful. It's so powerful that the half-brother of Jesus, James, writes a letter to followers of Jesus in the first century who've gone through intense persecution. And, and so the setting or the background is very, very important to understand. Followers of Jesus have been going through so much persecution, they've literally scattered across the empire. Many of them have lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. They've had to develop new friendships. They've had to, uh, all of this because of their faith, by the way. That's why they've gone through the suffering. Uh, and so they're in this place in life where they just have a lot of loneliness and a lot of heartache, and the half-brother of Jesus, James, writes them a letter. And at the beginning of the letter, he talks about perseverance, and he talks about sticking 
sticking to the course or staying to the course throughout even the most challenging times. But then he gets onto the topic of the tongue, which is so fascinating. You've gone through a difficult time. You need encouragement. But let me talk to you a little bit about the power of the tongue because James knew that it would be easy for these individuals, based on what they went through, to get really negative and to start feeding off of negativity, to get angry, to start speaking poorly of government officials. And so he writes to them about the power of their words. Here's how he starts. He says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. That's a big statement. James says, man, if you could get control on your words, that's about as mature as you will ever, ever become in life. It is easier for a 16-year-old boy to control his hormones than for him to control his mouth. It's easier for us to control our finances. It's easier for us to control our emotions and our attitudes than it is for us to control our words. And so in just a moment, what we're going to do is read what James has to say about the tongue. But before we do that, I just want to make sure we do not miss the point. Everything he's about to write really is underscored by this idea. Here it is. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. Even though it weighs just a few ounces, it makes a big difference. And so James goes into word pictures and illustrations and various descriptions to help us understand the weight of our words. And the first word picture it gives us is like this two-inch steel bit that you put into the mouth of a horse. Here's what he writes. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. He says, check this out. You can take something that weighs eh, a pound and put it into the mouth of something that weighs 700 pounds or 1,000 pounds or a couple thousand pounds if we're talking about a Clydesdale. And he says, you put it into the mouth, and based on how you tug on that, based on how you pull, it determines the entire direction of the horse. He says, that's your words. You think, well, I'm just saying something. I'm just spewing my thoughts. I'm just uh, unleashing some of the things I'm, I'm thinking about. James says, whoa, it, it's more than just words. It affects your demeanor. It, it affects the people around you. It affects how you think about the future. It makes a difference. And then it continues. He says, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. So basically the same concept, the same idea, just a different word picture. He says, do you realize a massive ship is controlled by a relatively small rudder, about the size of your front door, hidden under the stern of some massive ocean sea-going vessel, he says, it's determined by something very, very small. He says, the same is true with your words. They control your demeanor and your attitude and your outlook on life. And then he continues. He says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Now just pause here. Okay. It makes grand speeches. We're familiar with grand speeches. We're in political season. So we're hearing lots of grand speeches. We've just finished up with graduation and commencement season. So we heard lots of 
speeches about potential and about uh, and, and speeches with inspiration and motivation. Funerals are filled with big speeches. We just today at the church that I pastor, we officiated a funeral for a 33-year-old young man. His family attends our church and was just killed tragically this week. And the speech was hopeful. It was about someday you're going to see your son again. Weddings, they're, they're filled with speeches about the potential that a couple has together and about their future. But James is not talking about standing up in front of a group of people and giving some monologue. He's simply saying every time you open your mouth, whether you realize it or not, you are making a grand speech. Your words have power. Then he goes into another illustration. He says this. He says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Now, we understand this. At one point or another, all of us have held sparklers on 4th of July, and we've watched the white and the blue dots kind of fly off. And in the right environment, the grass was just dry enough. If the wind was at the right direction, we know that an entire forest could be set on fire by just a little spark. Almost 20 years ago, I read one of the most sobering books I've ever read in my life, uh, called To Sleep with Angels. To Sleep with Angels. It's a story of a tragic fire that broke out at Our Lady of Angels grade school on the west side of Chicago back in the late 50s. And apparently what happened is a fire started in a trash bin. And it started, they believe, by a kid playing with matches. And the reason they believe that is the kid actually admitted to it. But then when some people, probably his parents, talked to him, he tried to recant his story, and so nobody was ever formally charged. But what happened is this, this trash bin started on fire, and the fire started smoldering, and about 20 minutes later started to spread very, very slowly, and then it got out of control. And when it was over, 92 children and three nuns had lost their life. 92 children and three nuns. And I was so moved by the story that I drove to the cemetery where these children are buried, and I actually spent some time at the memorial uh, that had been set up for them. It's just mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling to me that a match that can literally fit in the palm of your hand, you can't even really feel it. It's so light. That it could set an entire forest on fire, a school on fire, a home on fire, and do unthinkable damage. That is not fair. But that's what James is saying. He's saying this isn't a real balance of cause and effect. He's saying your tongue is disproportionately powerful. And as humans, we just have a very difficult time connecting the dots on this. Because we're just like, well, come on. All I said was, and then he went ballistic. All I said was, and I lost my job. All I said was, and now my kids won't talk to me. And James is saying, hello. That's the power of words. Your words can start a fire that you cannot put out. 
And as you begin to see the damage of your words, you're going to want to do everything you can to put out the fire. But there are times that you literally become a bystander. And as much as you want to stop the spreading of what you did, you're going to feel helpless. And James is saying, that's why I'm urging you to be careful, because your words have huge repercussions for the good or for the bad. And then just in case we're missing the point, he continues. Here's what he says. He says, among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. All right, really, really graphic language. He's saying, again, your tongue's always on fire. It has the ability to bring death or life. Now, if we really think about it, we know that's true. Right? I'm wearing a microphone right now. In 30 seconds, just imagine the damage I could do here. Oh, the power of a microphone. Right? I could start sharing with you stories about Pastor Ben <laughs> telling you things. Right? I could start rumors. For those of you who've come and you've shared very openly with me over the years, you've shared stories with me of things going on, I could say, hey, two years ago I talked to so-and-so and here's what they told me. Right? In just 30 seconds, this place could get crazy. And you would think, I probably should leave, but I'm not leaving. This is too good. I could stop, start dropping F-bombs. In other words, I've learned from Pastor Ben over the years. <laughs> right? I can start doing it. And everybody will say, man, we got to catch that thing online. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. We can use it to destroy or bring life. Earlier this year, there was a school in Ireland that sent out a letter to all of their middle school students who had taken a really, really important test. And in this part of Ireland, uh, the reason this test is so important is it gets to determine what high school they go to. So all the kids wait anxiously to see their test results. And so when the letters were sent out uh, in the mail, all of the envelopes included a letter and another envelope. And so when they opened it, they, they got the letter before they opened the envelope. And here's what the letter said. It said, inside this envelope is a score. It's a score you've been waiting for, but might not be the score you've been hoping for. And then it goes on to say, it's possible you're going to be disappointed in your score. And if you are, just know we're disappointed for you. But we are not disappointed in you. And then the letter ends by saying this. Remember, the score in the envelope is just a mark for some tests. It cannot measure how amazing you are. So no matter what happens in the next few minutes, today you must celebrate you. Wars have been started over words, but wars have also ended because of words. Divorces initiated because of words, but marriage is restored because of words. There have been families split apart because of words, but then there's been families who've been brought together because of words. Self-esteem ripped away because of words, but confidence gained because of words. And James is saying, I'm warning you, do not miss this. The tongue is powerful. And then he says this, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Whoa. I mean, this isn't like a lighthearted warning, like, hey, look both ways before you cross the street. Be careful. 
know, James is saying, man, every time you open your mouth, there's sparks coming out. There's sparks coming out. Do you realize that with your words, you can burn down a marriage? You can burn down a friendship. You can burn down a career. You can burn down potential. You can burn down a future. Because the words you speak affect your entire life. They don't just affect the moment. No, they affect so much more than that. It's the reason that when your five or six-year-old kid smarts off at you, you don't put their mouth in timeout. No, you put their whole body in timeout. It's the reason why when you completely disrespect your boss on a regular basis, they don't just fire your tongue. It's your whole body that walks out of that building. You're always disrespecting your husband or wife. It's not your mouth sleeping on the couch. It's the whole person. That's what James is saying. It affects all of you. This little bitty part controls the destiny of an entire person. That's a lot of potential, both negative and positive. Now, I just have a side note for those of us who feel like it is our God-given responsibility in this world that when we think of something, we've got to speak it. How many of you would say, Dave, I'm with you on this one. I kind of feel like this eagerness of speaking when I think something. What a bunch of liars. One person is like, yeah, Dave, that's me. I speak what I think. All right, I'm one of these people. I'll admit it. And what I want to say to those of you who refuse to admit it, but your whole family would be like, yep. All right, is this very idea that just because something is true does not mean it needs to be spoken. If you want to be someone who tells the truth, make sure everything you say is the truth. But don't speak everything that is true. If you speak everything that's true, you ain't going to have no friends. Right? If you speak everything that's true, people aren't going to want to be around you. Sometimes you just got to bite your tongue and say, I know that's true, but I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to redirect my words. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. Now, after warning about its power, James gives us his thoughts. Hear what he said. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. This is so interesting because when James says no one can tame the tongue, what he really means is no one can tame the tongue. Wow. It's possible to control the tongue but not tame it. It's possible to control the tongue. It's possible to bite our tongue, right? It's possible to keep the words inside of it. It's possible to control the tongue, but ultimately nobody will ever be mature enough to the point, I don't care if you're a great, great, great grandmother and you're the sweetest person everyone knows, nobody will ever be mature enough in life that they get to the point that their words don't have the potential to do damage. James describes it this way. He says about the tongue, it is restless and evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Basically, he's saying, what's up with that? You want to express worship? You want to express songs of praise to your heavenly Father? You want to talk about how good God is? But then you get into certain environments and you begin to belittle the very people made in his image? He said, that's messed up. 
And the way he puts it in his writing is this. He says, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And when he says this is not right, he's actually saying this shouldn't even be possible. Of course you know it's not right. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to know. You shouldn't say one thing in this setting and one thing in this setting. He's saying it shouldn't even be possible to express worship to your heavenly father, but then go on rants on social media or belittle the people in your family or talk about your coworkers in a hurtful and damaging way. And so after reiterating his point a couple of times, he just goes over and over and over. James just hits the brakes. And everybody just kind of lunges forward, and he stops. And this is so fascinating. He just goes on to a different topic. And we're like, whoa, 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 time out. James, give us some practical advice. How do we get better with our words? How do we, I don't know, you guys are just screwed. <laughs> you guys are just in trouble. Like, man, do you realize every time you open your mouth, and we're like, you can't leave us hanging. And he said, man, you've got real, real issues. He says, because every time you talk, it's like a flame. And I don't know the fire laws around here. <laughs> he says, it's, it's ready. It's constantly a match on the end of a matchbook. And you can do unlimited damage or you can do endless amounts of good. What are you going to do with your words? And so my challenge to you this summer... And we're going to continue this thought next week. But my challenge to you throughout this summer is to be as intentional as you've ever been in using your words for the good. In being intentional to lift people up and encourage them. That might happen through a handwritten letter. That might happen through verbal praise. And if you're like me, this just doesn't come easy or natural for me. I have to be intentional. I literally have to write this stuff down because I just, it's not that I'm negative all the time. It's just I don't think about pointing out all the great things, even in my marriage with my wife. Again, I don't just sit there and bash her all the time, but I don't think about the, oh, I got to praise her for this or praise her that. We just kind of get used to it in life. And so this is no joke. A couple weeks ago, we're actually in an argument. It wasn't like some hurricane of an argument. We're just in an argument about something. And my, my cell phone, an alarm goes off, and it happened to be sitting next to her, so she picks it up. And this is no joke, because I have alarms like this on my phone to keep in mind. Uh, speak positive words to my wife. It says, speak positive words to Randy. She's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, gosh, it's a reminder. <laughs> Argument over. <laughs> you know, what would I do at that point? But I have to do that for myself. Just remember, hey, go out of your way. Be someone who speaks words of positivity and words of encouragement and words of life. Because if you're not intentional, you just tend to gravitate toward words of death. Because of all the stress and the hurt and the pain we go through in life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want to close with this verse, and then I'll pray. But I think this verse ought to be the direction every one of us are headed in all summer long. Here we go. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray.